Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 187 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here by myself today, but I want to wish everyone a happy new year. I hope you all had some fantastic celebrations over the holiday season, and we are ready to hit 2019 with a bang. Unfortunately, I am here by myself, as I mentioned, because um, unfortunately, Lizzie is not wanting to sleep. But I have a very interesting topic for you guys today, because we are going to be talking about Hiroyuki Ito, specifically the mystery of what is actually happening with him. It's something that I think has been a topic that many people have been wondering about for some time. I don't necessarily have any answers, but I thought it'd be really nice to run through like what he's done, why he actually means so much to a lot of people, and why it's kind of strange that Square Enix have chosen to just kind of sideline him and not make him involved with any of the major projects that they're working on that we are, of course, aware of. Hopefully this also goes in line with what people were saying in the survey where they really enjoy our featured discussions. So although I'm going to be talking to myself, I will try to make it a bit of a discussion like I did with some of the episodes last year. All right, so for you new folks who are listening to the podcast for the first time, welcome. It's 2019 now and we have been going for a very long time, but we are a podcast that is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and we are presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday and we work in rotation with our sister show Kingdom Hearts Union and we come out on the iTunes store and our podcasts are all freely available on FinalFantasyUnion.com. I am now going to do some shout outs for our Patreon supporters. So this is shout outs for everyone who has pledged $2.50 or more per episode. And we're going to kick things off with Lewis James, Nahi Klabawi, Barry Norton at Nortron Zero, Chris Morales, Eric Decker at Choco Taco, Michael Graham, Thorin Bullen at Massacre23, Zach Duranto at Zed Duranto58, Chris Pope at Dr. Pop181, Mohamed Kayum, Rachel Casterton at Urbian Ray, Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels, Darren Matthews at Doomster73, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson, Mike, Ishbel Ayala at Red Beppers, Vitanitas, Rob Porter at Squirty Bertie One, Tobias Cappy at the Tobias Kepi, Tori Patrick, Miles Ribbons, David Calro, Moki Syasith at Mokimon S, and Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Namejin. Thank you all so much for your support, guys. Okay, we're now going to move on to our main topic of the episode the mystery of Hiroyuki Ito, one of Square Enix's most decorated developers. So Hiroyuki Ito actually joined Square back in 1987, and I believe he was pretty much a fresh-faced graduate at the time. And what's interesting about Square at that time in history, and I guess other Japanese developers would have been going through the same thing, is that a lot of people were joining these companies, but they didn't really have a specific area of focus or, or, or any kind of idea about what they wanted to do. They just knew that they wanted to get into game development. So Hiroyuki Ito didn't actually have, uh, I guess, a prominent role on the original Final Fantasy games. On Final Fantasy 1, he worked as a debugger, and then he fulfilled the same role on the second game. And on Final Fantasy 3, he worked as a designer of the sound effects that you'd hear as you play through the game, like if you're casting fire or ice or anything like that, those, those little twinkles that you'd hear to make the game a bit more animated. By the time Final Fantasy 4 came around, He'd actually been promoted in some degree because um, outside of working on Final Fantasy 1, 2 and 3, he'd also been involved with Final Fantasy Legend and he was also a game designer on Rad Racer 2. 
So for Final Fantasy IV, the powers that be decided that they would give him a shot as a game designer. And this was probably one of the best decisions that was ever made within the company. Because Hiroyuki Ito's influence on the Final Fantasy franchise was so pronounced after that point. So on Final Fantasy IV, it was obviously a big change for them. Uh, they had The previous three games had come out on the, the NES or the, the Famicom. And they were looking to try and push things to the next level. So Final Fantasy IV, they were thinking, okay, we can make things better from a graphical perspective. We can try and go back to a more story-driven narrative. But one of the other things they wanted to look at was the gameplay system. So every Final Fantasy game up to that point had been using a standard turn-based system where you would put in all of your commands and the enemy would have their commands behind the scenes and then the game would just play out in an order of turn. And Hiroyuki Ito was looking at this just thinking, okay, it kind of works, but it's also a little bit boring. Um, and he was looking at things like Formula One and he, he was very influenced by sports. And he came up with a new system called the Active Time Battle System, or the ATB system, which obviously now is, has become such a legendary system. And, you know, if you think about what that meant for Square as a whole, it, it helped to revolutionize Final Fantasy. It made it look like, actually, these battles are happening in real time, even though they actually still weren't at that time. But it seemed like something more was happening. There were bars filling up and all these other things. And, you know... It, after that point as well, he became pretty much ingrained in every single major gameplay decision that revolved around Final Fantasy. So Final Fantasy 4, yeah, he developed the ATB system. Final Fantasy 5, he was heavily involved in the job chain system. So obviously jobs were a prominent part of Final Fantasy 1 and 3, but with Final Fantasy 5, he added the ability to actively change job of your own accord. He also introduced the AP system, and by default, because of that, the skill learning system. So you could use AP to, I guess, determine how you wanted your jobs to evolve. And he also added a load of new jobs into this too, and expanded the ATB system to make it seem a lot more active than the previous game. Due to his work on those two games, uh, Sakaguchi then decided that it was time for him to... I guess step aside at that point, but he wanted to make sure that the franchise was in good hands, so he gave Final Fantasy VI over to Yoshino Kataze and also Hiroyuki Ito. They both directed the game from different perspectives, with Kataze looking after the story and Ito looking after the gameplay elements of the game. And obviously, Final Fantasy VI still featured the ATB system, but Ito also developed the Esper system. So, summons had been in the Final Fantasy franchise for some time at this point, but they had only ever been used as summons, but Ito decided that he was going to tie them into the gameplay mechanics. So this was the first time where after you got summons, they would have an influence on how your characters developed. He also developed the relic system, which enabled characters to equip two accessories, which would again change their statistics. And I think it just highlights how influential he has been. A lot of the mechanics that you've seen up to this point that were of a gameplay perspective now, obviously, there were other people working as game designers. Like, he didn't solely come up with all these things by himself. He obviously came up with a lot of the concepts, and then other people worked with him to develop those concepts. But it's just interesting how, you know, he came in as a debugger, but he managed to make himself very, very integral to the Final Fantasy team to the point where he was actually directing Final Fantasy VI alongside Kataze. Now, after the directing Final Fantasy VI, he then uh, had a an uncredited role on Final Fantasy VII, so he helped create a draft for the Materia system and how that would then work in with the ATB system. But 
The reason why he wasn't so heavily involved with Seven is because he moved to work on Final Fantasy Tactics with Matsuno. And here he developed the charge time battle system. So this worked in with the isometric gameplay that the Tactics games had been known for before they worked their way into Final Fantasy. He also used this opportunity to further develop the job system. And while there were lots of new jobs introduced with Final Fantasy V, Tactics also introduced even more. After working on Tactics, he then moved over to working on Final Fantasy VIII. This was another game that was directed by Kataze, but this time Hiroki Ito did not join him as a director. He was again just working as one of the lead principal game designers. And here he worked on developing the junction system. He also developed the GF system, which is obviously very similar to the Relic system. And he also was heavily involved in the creation of Triple Triad. After Final Fantasy VIII, he then worked with Sakaguchi on creating Final Fantasy IX. Here, Sakaguchi worked as the conceptual person and I guess one of the executive producers, whereas Ito was the director of Final Fantasy IX by himself for the first time. So within this role, he obviously had a hand in working on the game's story with Sakaguchi, but he was also primarily responsible for the creation of Tetra Master, the Mognet system. He also then worked in a similar... I guess a combination of the Esper and Relic system whereby you the weapons that you gained would then be used to expand the abilities that you could learn through the uh, acquisition of AP. And of course Final Fantasy IX is I guess one of the ones that people look back on as one of the games that did everything incredibly well. It was supposed to be a tribute game to everything that had come before. That was that was the whole point of it. And I think Hiroyuki Ito, given his unique position of being pretty much the person who had dictated all of the game all of the major gameplay elements of the franchise up to that point, it made sense for him to be the director of the game alongside Sakaguchi who was looking after the story aspects because he had done everything like the ATB system, all of the character development mechanics Every single major element of the games that was from a gameplay perspective had been driven by Ito. But after Final Fantasy IX, he kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily took a break, but Square had a change in how they worked as a company because they obviously merged with Enix. And I'm guessing that because of how they were wanting to do it, so they generally had Final Fantasy games working in rotation at that point. So obviously the team that worked on Final Fantasy IX were not, the same team that worked on Final Fantasy 8 uh, or 10. So because he directed Final Fantasy 9, Katazi was working on 10 because he had directed Final Fantasy 8, and it didn't really make sense for him to be too involved with 10. Um, but because of that, he then moved over to be the director on Final Fantasy 12. Now this saw him reunited with Matsuno from Final Fantasy Tactics fame, and uh, obviously once Matsuno left, then he was working alongside Minagawa, and it was a very similar relationship to what he had struck up with Katase on Final Fantasy VI. Ito was in charge of directing all of the gameplay elements, and Matsuno and then Minagawa were responsible for all of the story elements. Now, this, I'd say, is probably what people would consider to be uh, Ito's crowning glory of a game. Final Fantasy XII was such a different experience compared to everything that had come before, but there are obviously a lot of similarities. He had moved, Ito had always been trying to iterate on the active time battle system. And at this point, Final Fantasy 4 through 9 had obviously different versions of the same system. Final Fantasy 10 moved away to conditional battle system, but Final Fantasy 12 developed a new system called Active Dimension Battle. Now, Ito has said uh, since Final Fantasy 12 that he, yeah, he's always looking to try and improve the active time battle system. 
or the concept of it. But at the time when he was developing the earlier models on, on Final Fantasy 4 through 9, technology just wasn't able to do what he wanted to do with the system. Active Dimension Battle in Final Fantasy 12 was obviously like the next step of what he felt could be achieved because it's still at its core an ATB system, much like Final Fantasy 11 is still an ATB stroke system. You still have turns that you have to take, there's gauges that must fill up. And Final Fantasy 12 was, was very much still like that, except it was a little bit more active in terms of you could put your command, you didn't have to wait for certain things in, in the same regard. But it was also unique in the sense that this was the first time where you only controlled one character. You are The remaining party members, you could then assign different things to do. You could still control everyone if you wanted to manually, but given how the gameplay was established and how complicated it was, it just wouldn't be feasible. So to help manage that, he also created the Gambit system. This was a far more advanced system than anything that they had seen before. But in reality, going back to what I said before about the technology not being advanced enough, the Gambit system was actually developed for Final Fantasy IV. They just couldn't realize how they would actually make it work. But some like decade later, they were thinking, now we actually have this technology. Now we're working on the PlayStation 2 for the first time. It's so much more advanced than the SNES. We can actually implement the Gambit system, which is kind of what they used in the background for all of the gameplay mechanics because it was just a set routine of things that would happen. But now you actually had the ability to control those set routine of things that would happen. You could predict scenarios. You could say, okay, well, if this happens, then I will do this. And it just showed how how his mind worked out, how, how um, futuristic he was being with his thinking. And I guess it goes back to what I've always said about the composers who work on the soundtracks for these earlier games. You know, they would have to have worked with restricted sound cards. But in their minds, I've always had this notion that they always envisioned how it should have sounded if the technology was able to cater for it. And I'm guessing that's obviously what Ito felt as well. Like he had developed this system but in the in the earlier days of Final Fantasy IV, the technology just wasn't capable of actually doing what he wanted it to do. So instead, he had to try and make a system that, I guess, had the illusion of what he wanted it to do. And that was obviously carried in through from Final Fantasy IV till nine. But by the time he got to Final Fantasy XII, the technology was had it evolved enough to the point where he could do a basic version of what he envisioned the system to be. So they roughly went back and implemented the prototypes from Final Fantasy IV into Final Fantasy XII as the Gambit system. He then, as a development perspective, um, wanted to give people more freedom than they'd had before. So obviously he, he developed the AP system in Final Fantasy V. They then developed upon this in Final Fantasy VIII and Final Fantasy IX. But with the license board, it gave people the ability to like it's like a choose your own adventure system where you obviously gained LP from your battles and then you could spend that to unlock licenses which then means you could then equip certain armor or use certain abilities but the interesting thing about this and that he revealed this in the Ultimania for Final Fantasy 12 is that he actually created a system that was too far beyond what he wanted he felt that the license board system gave people too much choice and he actually I'm, I may be slightly incorrect in this but I feel like he said he regretted making the license board system in the way that he did. 
which is why with the International Zodiac Job System, he then changed it to introduce the Zodiac System, where you could only have two jobs, you would then have those locked in for the gameplay, uh, for the duration of your playthrough. Because in the original Final Fantasy XII, every single character could end up being exactly the same. And if you're looking to create an optimum party, that's exactly what you would do. You, every single character becomes basically the same character, because... You all want them to have the best damage wheeling abilities. You all want them to be able to have the best armor. Whereas he didn't want that. He wanted people to be able to make choices, stick with those choices, and then experience different elements of the gameplay, which they had done in previous systems where with the jobs and all that, those kind of things. They wanted it to be a, yeah, they wanted it to be more about making choices. He got very philosophical in his interview, basically, and it is, I think a lot of people have, um, well, not a lot, but some people have found it quite cringe that he wanted to try and push his philosophical views through the use of job job systems, but, you know, it's his prerogative. He's the director of the game. But anyway, so that's kind of a brief history lesson in terms of what Hiroyuki Ito actually has meant to the franchise. In my opinion, he's been probably outside of Sakaguchi um, and Kitaze and probably Nomura, he has been one of the most influential people on the franchise from his specific perspective. Sakaguchi obviously was the series creator. Uh, Kitaze helped to push it on an international audience and make games that resonated with those audiences. Final Fantasy 7, 8 and 10 at the time were the best-selling games in the franchise. Um, there's no, you can't dispute that. Kitaze had that ability to make a game that could appeal to everyone. Hiroki Ito had the ability to make gameplay systems that would appeal to everyone. Nomura had the ability to make characters that everyone would resonate with from a visual perspective. Like Many of the characters that he's created have become so popular. And sure, part of that is because of the fact that they featured in games that were also incredibly popular. But you can't understate the influence that Nomura has had on the franchise. Likewise, Uematsu, also an incredibly influential person. I would say that though that that collective of people have had such a pro- positive impact on the franchise, way more than anyone else. But the weird thing is that... Uh, I guess so, Sakaguchi has left, Uematsu has left, Nomura and uh, Kataze is still there, but I'd say that Kataze's influence is, is somewhat lesser than it used to be because he's now in a basically a board member on the company. He's not too heavily involved with the production of titles. He's more of a kind of, well, I don't really know what he does behind the scenes, but he's he's very much in a, a Hashimoto role now where he, he talks about things and he says things and he'll have a general steer on the direction. He'll make the decisions about like who's directing this or what that kind of stuff, but he's not actively involved in the development of the games anymore. And obviously, the uh, Nomura is directing the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, he's still actively involved in Kingdom Hearts Three, which then means why I don't, I don't really understand why Ito has not gone down a similar path to Nomura. Because maybe, maybe Ito didn't want to go down the Kataze route. Um, he didn't want to go join the board of directors. Um, you know, obviously Sakaguchi left, Umatsu left for different reasons. But Ito could have probably gone that way if he wanted to he has directed three main series games kataze has directed four um and you know after final fantasy 12 he could have moved into a position of more influence but instead what happened was that he's basically just disappeared 
He has had very few credits, so he worked on the battle design for an iPhone game called Dead Man's Cross. He was a special thanks credit for Murdered Soul Suspect, Dissidia Arcade, and Guardian Codex, which was a follow-up to Guardian Cross, a game that he actually conceptualized. But that that's pretty much it. Like He was a supervisor on the Zodiac Age. Uh, apparently, he was mentoring the junior designers on how to implement certain gameplay additions that they were making, such as the um, additional speed elements. But like it's really... It's really strange that he hasn't been more actively involved. This is someone who has an incredibly positive track record. Pretty much every game that he's worked on has had a positive influence on the franchise. And many of them are considered to be the darlings of the franchise. I mean, Final Fantasy XII has obviously had a, a something of a, a renaissance. Final Fantasy XII has obviously had something of a renaissance. Um, but many consider it to be one of the best games that of the franchise. Final Fantasy IX is to, like we said before on the podcast is just all the elements of final fantasy 9 make it into the like in many ways the perfect final fantasy game um final fantasy 8 you know the gameplay elements are a bit hit and miss some people like the junction some people like the junction system some people don't but you know you can't argue with how much he influenced the franchise over the years which is why i think it's just strange that he's essentially just disappeared final fantasy 12 came out over a decade ago and the Zodiac job system uh, was obviously just after that, but since then, in the yeah the last decade, he's had nothing but like working on a few mobile games and a couple of special thanks for I guess assisting behind the scenes. And you know, um, a good friend of mine actually, Alex Donaldson from RPG Site, he had the opportunity to interview Hashimoto um, like six years ago now, and he was asking uh, obviously a, lot, a wide range of questions, but one of the questions he asked was what's Hiroyuki Ito actually work on? Is he still even at the company anymore? And according to Hashimoto, Ito is is constantly working on planning things and pulling together proposals for new projects. But it, it seems like none of them go anywhere because that was five years ago and we've heard literally nothing since apart from him being a special thanks on some games and as a supervisor on the Zodiac Age. And I'm really struggling to understand why that is. Now, as I said before, maybe, maybe Ito, this is the route that he wants to go down. Maybe he's, maybe he's actually sitting behind the scenes. He doesn't like the limelight that he previously had, um, and he just wants to help people. So, um, maybe like on all the games, maybe Final Fantasy fifteen or Final Fantasy thirteen, and those games, he was sitting there, kind of in the background, just advising the new generation of game designers. I don't know, maybe that's something that he's he's working on. Maybe he's kind of seen as a consultant to the entirety of uh, Square Enix Japan, where he just has like a small amount of involvement with each of the games. I guess similar in a similar way to Nomura is, the kind of creative director on certain things. He will have an input, but again, Nomura actually has an official title in that regard. He's the creative director. Like We know that, for example, even though he's working on Kingdom Hearts 3 and is the director of Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hazama still has a lot of involvement with Nomura when it comes to Dissidia NT. But Ito doesn't seem to have that level of involvement. Again, maybe it's just that he didn't want the limelight. Maybe he didn't want to go down the route of upper management. And But then what's, what's he doing? And I think that's something that is becoming more and more pertinent. What, what is he actually doing? For the longest time, people have believed that he is working on Final Fantasy 16. 
um, and that the I guess the theory or the rumor is that Final Fantasy uh, 50, it was Final Fantasy 15 until they decided to rename Versus 13 to 15, which then changed all their plans around what was going to be Final Fantasy 15, which then became 16. But again, that seems a bit strange to me because if Final Fantasy 15 now 16 was in development back then, that would have been six or seven years ago that that happened now. If if that was the case, you would have expected it to have been at least in somewhat of a decent form for them to be able to show something at some point. But we've heard absolutely nothing, no peep whatsoever about it, which again is just very confusing. And I don't really know if there's anything we can do about the situation. Um, Square Enix have obviously uh, said multiple times and they've shown multiple times that if the fans want something, then they will generally deliver it. So whenever they've said like, oh, well, we might release this game on this platform, it's always been a, if fans say they want it, then we'll do it. Like if fans show that's enough interest in them doing it, then they will do it. Maybe it's a similar thing with Hiroki Ito. There have been topics that have been coming up probably, yeah, for the last six or seven years about what is Hiroki Ito doing. There were, of course, the rumors that he was working on 16, but it's never really been that vocal maybe we should start being more vocal about wanting to know what he's actually up to. Maybe Square don't realize that he actually has a, a following. There's a lot of people who really enjoyed his work and they would like to see him do more. Maybe it's just that his skill sets don't work for modern day game development anymore. I mean, it would be very interesting to see if Kataze was able to replicate what he did with Final Fantasy 7, 8 and 10 in the modern gaming landscape because... You know, things have moved on so much. And it's why I have a lot of respect for people like Kojima, because Kojima was working on games for like the NES, Metal Gear, that came out such a long time ago. But he's been able to stay with the trends, be able to make games that still resonate with people. Metal Gear Solid Five was such a fantastic game. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ito did go on record um, many years ago saying that, yeah, he still is striving to try and make the perfect ATB system. He still didn't feel like the PlayStation 3 era was it was capable of doing or creating the gameplay system that he wanted. But when when is that going to be the case? Is the PlayStation 5 going to be the time when we get to see Hiroyuki Ito's vision of what the perfect ATB system is? Who knows? Only time will tell. Square Enix are a mysterious company these days, and this is just one of the many mysteries that are revolving around that company. But yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed the uh, discussion, the look, the I guess the the journey down memory lane with Hiroki Ito. I, I don't know if many of you guys were aware of how influential he was on the franchise and how how ingrained he was with pretty much every single major gameplay decision that was made from Final Fantasy IV onwards. Because when you think about it, it is actually quite crazy. It's it's no different from Sakaguchi being so heavily involved with Final Fantasy 1 through 9. And actually, as a fun fact for you here, Hiroki Ito, assuming he is actually still at the company, um, he's the only person still working at Square Enix who worked on Final Fantasy 1 through 9. That is really crazy to think about. And sure, I guess... It's a bit dubious because he is unofficially credited on Final Fantasy 7, but still he worked on Final Fantasy 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, and then worked on 12 because he skipped Final Fantasy 10 and 11. 
But that is still an insane statistic that, that no one else, as far as I'm aware, is, is at Square Enix who worked on Final Fantasy 1 through 9. But yeah, so it's time to move on to our music segment, or at least the discussion around why I've picked this particular piece of music. It's actually, I wanted to pick something that was a fitting tribute to Ito, and so I've gone with a track from Final Fantasy 9, the game that he was, well, the only game that he was the sole director on. And it's a track by Kate the Great 19, uh, who many of you may remember many, 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 many years ago who had that name, but she is now referred to as Erutan on YouTube. And uh, it's an arrangement of Rose of May, Beatrix's theme. Now, I really like this arrangement because I think that, well, in a weird way, I like it because I think Uematsu would really like it because it has a really heavy Celtic influence. That's obviously her style. Um, but it features some fantastic vocal harmonizing. And I think one of the times where this really comes through to me is actually probably the first time where the harmonies happen, which, so it starts off with uh, a bit of an int- instrumental, then the, then you've got the main melody line that comes in. But when, um, Kate says roses of May in the lyrics, you get the harmonies that come in and it just, it gives me goosebumps every single time because they are so dynamic in how they work. It's not just a simple harmony. There are so many layers, so many uh, scales. And for me, it's such a positive, upbeat interpretation of the theme, which is obviously a great theme in the game itself. But this just adds the extra spin. As I said, I feel like Uematsu would really enjoy it too because he has shown in the past that he... Obviously, he's a very big prog rock man, but he's also really influenced by the Celtic style of things. I, If you haven't done, I would um, recommend listening to the arrangement album he did for Final Fantasy IV, I believe, called Celtic Moon. That is a really fun uh, interpretation of many of the tracks he did for that game. So yeah, hopefully you enjoy listening to that. Um, it's now time to head into our outro so obviously this was the first episode of the year the next episode of final fantasy union is scheduled to come out on the 22nd of january and of course you can subscribe to final fantasy and kingdom march union on the itunes store if you just search for final fantasy we are there or thereabouts actually some crazy statistics in that regard i was checking um over much of december at some points we were actually one of the top 20 video game podcasts which is still absolutely astounding to me considering how long we have been going it's it's absolutely just so humbling to think to think about how many people still listen to us and have been following us all this time but yeah if you haven't subscribed yet be please do so on itunes of course you can catch every episode for free on finalfantasyunion.com as well as all our news coverage when it happens and if you'd really want to support the show why not head over to patreon.com forward slash ffkhunion. You can support both of the shows and depending on the level that you pledge at, you can get things like badges sent through the post. You can also come on the show and obviously you can get your name read out as a producer at the beginning. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to me. Again, welcome to 2019. Hopefully this is going to be a really good year for Final Fantasy and the wider franchise. We obviously know that Crystal Chronicles Remaster is going to come out this year, which is going to be great. Um, but obviously if you're an Xbox One or Switch owner, then you get to play some of the classic games on those systems for the first time. And yeah, that's all there is to say really. I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production.
choose not to see what life's must I take or feel to sake? How much blood must stay? This warrior's blade. War leaves its trail in moonlight so pale. Its shadows they flow in rivers and rivers. So put on my mask. I'll go where they ask. So I might once again see the roses of May. Staining my soul and stinging my eyes. The red on my hands will wash away, wash away. Nowhere to run from what I have done. I no longer know. And you said, "Breathe."